That's life. Play the game of life. You know, that's one game we're all going to play whether we want to or not. You know, it's the, more, it's the most important game we're ever going to play. Here's a little tip. It's not a game. It's not a game. You know, it's interesting, though, how close the Milton Bradley game comes to the way many people really think about life. You know, it, it's actually kind of sad. For example, uh, how do you win the game of life? How do you win? Well, you count your money at the end. Doesn't that sound like people you know? You know, that's how many people think. Count your money. So even, you know, even billionaire, billionaire, Ted Turner, guy that, you know, just has billions and billions of dollars. He said, you know, I may have $10 billion, but then I read Bill Gates. He's got $100 billion, and I feel like a complete failure in life. You know, man, $10 billion, complete failure? Well, I'll take that for failure. But anyway, well, what about the rules? What about the rules in the game of life? You know, again, it, people think like that. In the, in the board game, what do you do? You spin the wheel of fate and just see what happens. It's all about what the wheel says. And, you know, some people think of life, the real game, like that. You know, there's no meaning there's no purpose. There's just fate. And there's nothing they can do about it. But for Christians, for Christians, if you know the Lord, your life has great meaning, has great unbelievable purpose. Okay, we've been in this, we've been in this series, Game People Play, so we're going to play a little game here. I'm going to ask a question. When I say go, I want you to shout out your answer. You guys ready to play? You ready to play? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, don't answer until I say go. Who can, just shout out the answer when I say go, who can tell me the best-selling book of all time? Best-selling book of all time. Ready? Go. Wow, you guys are good. It's the Bible. Let's give the Bible a hand. Okay. All right. Now. Now, this is, this is the next question. The value increases. You get no money if you get it right, but that's all right. When I say go, all right, who can tell me the second best-selling book of all time? Second best-selling book. Ready? Go! I heard dictionary. Yeah, yeah. Another one? Harry Potter. Close. Okay. The number two selling book of all time is The Purpose Driven Life by Pastor Rick Warren. If you're a Christian, you're not, you have great purpose in your life. You know, for each life, everybody has a purpose. No one is here by accident. That's one of the axioms in his book. It's to help you find your purpose in Christ. Why are you here? What does God have for you individually, particularly? So this morning, I want to go over some of the rules for the real game of life. You know, why you're here. You know, if you really want to make it in life, 
if you want to build your faith, have a relationship with God and really make a difference in this world, make a difference, purpose. Well, how do you do that? Proverbs 4, 7 says this, getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Getting wisdom. It's how you play the game of life. Proverbs 8, 11 says this, wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you could want is equal to her. In other words, there's nothing more valuable than wisdom. That's what we need. That's the goal. That's the prize. That's how you win. You see, wisdom has nothing to do with having a high IQ. Nothing to do with that at all. I know a lot of people that have a high IQ, members of Mensa. They don't have any wisdom, you know. Well, well, don't look at them right now, but you probably know some people like that as well, you know. You could have a perfect score on your SAT and not have any wisdom, not life wisdom, you know, not the ability to take a truth and make it real in your life. James 3.17 says this, but the wisdom from above is pure, first of all. It's also peaceful, gentle, friendly. It's full of compassion and produces a harvest of good deeds. It is free from prejudice and hypocrisy. Huh. See, this is God's wisdom. It impacts your inner life. There's no hypocrisy See what it says? It's pure. It's peaceful. It's gentle. It's friendly, compassionate. It's all those things. You know, so if you look at somebody with a high IQ and they don't have that in their life, peace, compassion, they don't have wisdom. Maybe smart, might have knowledge, but that's just academic knowledge. You see, wisdom produces a harvest of good deeds. It's what we do. It involves everything that we do. It's the kind of wisdom that makes a difference in your daily life. It's not just head knowledge, right? You see, wisdom is choosing to live out the truth in your life, in the things that you do, your relationships, your actions. Here's the definition. Wisdom is knowledge lived out. Very simple definition, but hard to live by. So the question is, what does it take? What does it take to wise up? Well, I want to give you four rules, four rules of the game, okay? Now, these rules, again, they're really simple rules, very simple rules, easy to remember, tough to live out, you know? That's why wisdom can be so rare. Because it's tough to live out. And I want to use that as an acronym for you to remember this stuff today. Rare. Wisdom is rare. That first R, what does it mean? It means respect the power of God. Respect the power of God. Proverbs 9.10 says this. Wisdom begins with respect for the Lord. Respect the power of God. Of God. See, without respect for God, wisdom can't even begin. Psalm 111 says this The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
Okay, the fear of the Lord. That gets a little misinterpreted every now and then. I want to take a moment and tell you about it. The fear of the Lord, very easily misunderstood. Does it mean we're supposed to be afraid of God? No, it's not what it means. You know, maybe you have memories growing up like I did where you were afraid of God. I can remember one particular nun that instilled a very unhealthy fear of the Lord in me through the uh, use of a ruler. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about guilt. We're not talking about any of that stuff, okay? Maybe you were afraid of God for other reasons, you know? God isn't some cosmic being up in the clouds with thunderbolt in hand waiting for you to do something wrong, okay? Fear of the Lord isn't being afraid of him. Fear of the Lord means that you understand who you are and how great he is. God is greater than me. That's fear of the Lord. You know, it's a combination of awe and respect. Respect tinged with awe, awe, awe. Respect and awe. See, I'm a pretty handy guy. I can pretty much do any home improvement project. It's just from owning so many really crummy houses and I had to fix them up, <laughs> really. And uh, I've fixed up some houses in my life and I've done just about every project you can do around a house. So I'm, I'm a pretty handy guy hanging around architects all the time. So when we had our very first home, it had been a rental unit before we bought it, so you that, know what that means. It was not very well taken care of. And I tell you, I took that house apart and put it back together again. And I can remember one time, I'm up in the attic, and I wanted to rewire some things. I think you all know where this is going. So here I am. I got the power shut off, or so I thought. So I'm about to cut this wire, and I snip this wire, and pow! Man, I got zapped, so I um, woke up a couple minutes later, and I learned a very important lesson, and from that moment on, I developed a very healthy respect for electricity. Now, don't get me wrong. I love electricity. I love the stuff that electricity does. I love that there are lights in the room and that my voice is amplified right now. I love that. I love Power tools, you know, give me a good power tool and I'm set for the day. You know, computers, I love what computers do, but I have a very healthy respect for electricity and it's kind of the same with God. See, I love God. I've decided to dedicate my life to him, to serving him. And I know that he loves me. I love God. I love the benefits that he brings in my life. But I also have a healthy respect for his power. I want to grow in that respect for his power, for who he really is. See, that's what it means to have a respect for God. One of the reasons we lack respect, wisdom in America is that many of us lack respect for the power of God. You see, God is forgiving. 
He has amazing patience, you know. He has amazing grace, like the song says. But he's also holy. You know, God doesn't let sin slide. You know, he is a powerful God. He's God Almighty. We need to respect that. I mean, he's your father and he loves you. But we also need to have that awe-filled respect for him as well. The kind that makes a difference in your everyday life. Proverbs 3 says this. Don't depend on your own wisdom. Respect the Lord and refuse to do wrong. There's that word, respect. Don't depend on your own wisdom. Respect the Lord. You see, respecting the Lord keeps us from evil because then we don't rely on our own wisdom. We rely on his. See, if you were in a room and talking about something and a world expert on that subject walks into the room and you ignore him or treat him like he's stupid, you're disrespecting that guy. Well, here's a clue. God is always in the room. So don't diss God by not asking for his wisdom. You know, you need to say, help me understand. I need your direction. Otherwise, it's disrespectful. You know? Some people think that, well, you know, God doesn't have time for all these little things. Well, he's God. Of course he does. Respect that awesome power that he has. You see, he can give full attention to each individual around the world. He's God. We believe that. So one of the ways to respect God is to ask him, to tell him, I need your wisdom. I look to you for guidance in this. See, the beginning of wisdom is to respect God's power. It's the beginning. But there's a second rule to follow to get God's wisdom in our acronym here. Accept God's word. Okay? Accept means hear it. Listen to it. Take it in. You know, it also means to do something about it. You know, live it out. You listen and then you obey. Matthew 7, 24 says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and obeys me is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Look, listens and obeys, okay? If you want wisdom, you listen and then you do, you know? To listen and not do, that's just head knowledge. You know, if you have God's wisdom and you don't do anything about it, okay, you know what to do. You know, even the demons understand that, okay? But to do something without listening, paying any attention to the word of God or praying, well, that's just foolish. It's foolish. See, what you listen to is extremely important. God's word, the Bible, has been changing people's lives for over 2,000 years, okay? But it's really easy to turn to other sources of wisdom. Think about that. In our culture, where do people turn for wisdom? Okay, audience participation time. Again, I'm going to ask another question, and when I say go, I want you to answer. And it's that question I just asked. 
Where do people get their information? Where do people get their wisdom? Where do people get their wisdom? Ready? Go. Wow. Oprah in unison. Where else? Oprah, yeah. Internet. Television. Oh, good one. Oh, man. Well, you know, I wrote down a few. I get a lot of mine from Google, I have to admit. You know, a psychic. Some people go there. They go to horoscopes, fortune cookies. You name it. Anything but the Word of God. You know. People go to all kinds of places. The problem is those places really don't have, really don't have wisdom. They have kind of pop wisdom, you know, wisdom of the month. You know, they just don't have much wisdom to give at all. See, God's word is wisdom. It's an incredible gift. You know, Jesus said you can build your life on sand or you can build your life on a rock. You see, when trouble comes and you've built on sand, everything falls apart. You know, some of the people in the flooding have found that out. It's true literally. It's true about the word of God too. See, but if you build on the rock, it lasts. Colossians 3.16 says this, let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. The word of God can make you wise. So you've got to live it in your heart, like the word says. See, the Bible has no shelf life. The Bible has no shelf life. If you put the Bible on the shelf and don't open it, there's no life in it. It doesn't do anything. You've got to get the Bible off the shelf and read it. And you have to apply it in your life. You've got to get it into your heart to make an impact on your life. Catch that? The Bible's God's guidebook. It's his instruction book for our life. But I don't know about you, but once again, I don't like to read instructions. How about you? Who here likes to read the instructions before they do anything? Not many of us. Well, it was, you know, just maybe like a couple of weeks ago, um, my daughter's school had their talent show, and we taped it on our digital recorder and everything. And a couple of days later, my wife says, hey, can you transfer those onto a DVD? Because, you know, you know, Grandma might want one, and, you know, might want a, a couple of her friends might want it. And I said, sure, I can do that. I've done that before. And if you've ever dealt with those electronic things, you know, trying to get it from a you know, digital tape recorder onto a DVD, it, you know, it, it, I, said, ah, I can do it. So I hook everything up like I think it's supposed to go, and I'm using the remote, and I'm using this thing, and I'm trying to get that darn thing to work, and it won't work, and I'm getting frustrated, and Mona and Elizabeth, my wife and daughter, are running for cover because I'm all frustrated, and you can feel the t- I'm getting mad about it right now just thinking about it. <laughs> Mona calls in, how's it going? It's going fine! Okay. (laughs) So after about a half hour playing around like that, I went and got the instructions, and it took me about five minutes. Okay. So why don't we look at the instructions? Well, I don't know. If, if If you're like me, you don't like to look at the instructions. It's really about pride, really. See, a lot of times in my life, God will bless me. You know, in my career, my family, you know, something like that. I'll get a, I'll get a real blessing. 
And then at first, it's kind of like, wow, God, thank you very much. Look what God did. A little while later, it's kind of like, hey, you know, look what me and God did, you know? And a little while later, it's like, hey, look at me. <laughs> look what I did. And then the next thing comes around again, and I don't consult my instruction manual, the Bible, and then I, then I fall. You see, let's face it. I can't transfer something onto a DVD, let alone figure this life out. I need the instruction manual. You see, God designed us that way. God designed us to live in a relationship with him. You know? With a relationship with the guidance he gives us. You know? It's just, it's an, it's an awesome gift that he gives to us, this guidance. So I look to the instruction manual. Psalm 19.7 says this. The teachings of the Lord are perfect. They give new strength. The rules of the Lord can be trusted. They make plain people wise. You see, we get two things when we consult the instruction manage, the construct the instruction manual. We get new strength and we get wisdom. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? See, I, I love that phrase. It makes plain people wise. I love that. You know, you know people like that? I do. It's people that like don't have a whole lot of alphabet after their name. They don't have a stack of degrees and stuff like that. They're not really impressed with themselves, but they've got wisdom about life. You know, they've got hope in bad times. Because you find out later. These people are wise because they've spent a lifetime with God, the Bible, and learning. They have wisdom. Proverbs 10.8 says this. The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. Well, what side of that equation you want to be on, you know? And I have to admit, I've been the babbling fool a few times. I've been on the wrong side of that, you know. I've been on both sides, and I've fallen flat on my face, you know. I have. So the question is, whose advice are you listening to? Fortune cookie? Psychic? Horoscope? Oprah? Who is it? Are you building your life on the wisdom of God? You see, part of the rules of the game of life is to accept God's word. And then there's that third rule. Reflect on your choices. You respect the power of God, accept the word of God, and then you reflect on your decisions and your choices. You know, again, this may seem obvious, but we need to take time to reflect, to commune with God, to take the time to make sure that we have God's wisdom when we're making important decisions. Consult the Bible. Pray to God. But often, we don't do it. And why? Well, distractions. That's what it is for me. I, just, I feel like I don't have time because I'm distracted by all this stuff. You know, Think about what fills our mind throughout the day. Think about that. We are bombarded by distractions in everyday life. 
You know, I, I actually made a little list of my distractions. So once again, time for audience participation. Are you ready? Okay, think about that. I'm going to give you one first to kind of show you what I'm looking for. The distractions that keep me from doing the things I need to do. Number one on my list is television. You know, somebody keeps turning it on, setting me down in front of it. I don't know who that is or who to blame, but television. Okay, in your mind, the distractions that keep you from doing the things you need to be doing during the day. Ready? Go. Reading, email, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reading, email, couple of mine. I have radio, MP3s, billboards, internet, email, newspapers, phone, instant messaging, texting, you know, all this bombardment of information every day. You know, where does it all end? Where can we get some quiet time? You know, see all these tools that we have in modern day life. They have great upsides to them, you know. They're great. They're convenient. But they also have their negatives as well. It steals our time to reflect, to seek God and make good decisions. Like I say, it's like everything else. It has positives and negatives. One of the negatives is takes away from our time. You know, there are times we need to turn the cell phone off, you know. Don't answer that text for a while. You know, the New York Times gave some terms for some of these distractions. I thought it'd be fun to give you a couple of them. First one is called the cellopane. Anybody want to guess what a cellopane is? It's that guy on his cell phone that talks real loud, you know, especially when they got an earpiece, you know. Somebody comes up and says, hey, how you doing? You turn around to react, and they said, hey, good to see you too, and they keep on walking. They're, they're talking on their phone, not to you. That's the cellophane. And then there's the, this is, one of my, this, is, this is one I'm guilty of, the EMV, the email voice. You're on the phone to somebody, and all of a sudden they get real distant. Oh, uh, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. They're answering their email while they're talking to you. That's the email voice. And then there's my favorite the regurgimailer. Anybody know who the regurgimailer is? That person that forwards everything to you that comes through their inbox? You know, every hoax that's on the internet? Everything that happens? Okay. Distractions, email. Well, on this regurgimailer guy, um, I know this is off subject a little bit, but let me run down a little list here. Bill Gates is not going to send you any money if you forward an email. Okay, cell phones can't pop popcorn. Okay, the government is not giving your cell phone number to telemarketers. No one in Nigeria is going to send you millions. Okay, Pepsi did not admit, omit the words under God from the Pledge of Allegiance on one of their cans. And Speaker Pelosi is not advocating a windfall tax on Social Security. Oh, and if somebody has their headlights off at night, it's not a gang ritual. Okay. Some of you, I can tell, have heard a few of those. Again, these tools have good sides and bad sides. You know, the negative is they can distract you from seeking wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2 says this. Listen carefully to wisdom. Set your mind on understanding. Cry out for wisdom and beg for understanding. Search for it like silver and hunt for it like hidden treasure. 
Then you will understand respect for the Lord and you will find that you know God. Only the Lord gives wisdom. There's a lot there. Listen to, there's so many action verbs in that verse about getting wisdom. Look at that. Set your mind. Cry out. Search for it. Hunt. All of these things. It's action. Well, what is the writer telling you to do? Particularly on those first four. He's telling you to pray. He's telling you to listen. Talk to God. Have a two-way conversation with God. Get alone. Get in your quiet place. The second part of that, search, hunt. You know, He's telling you to get up and do something. Sometimes it requires that. Let me give you... Let me give you some real easy homework you can try. Okay, we're kind of at the beginning of the month here. See, Proverbs, we've, we've, we've gone through a lot of scripture that comes from Proverbs here, and there's a reason for that, is there are different types of books in the Bible. There's prophetic books, there's historical books, and there's books of wisdom, and the Proverbs is one of them. So I've been quoting a lot from a book of wisdom, and Proverbs happens to have 31 chapters. A lot of months, a lot of months have 31 days in it. Read a chapter a day. Apply it to your life by the end of the month. You'll increase your wisdom tenfold. Hmm. See, there's always something to do about it. You know, wise people don't give up. See, they search, they hunt, they gather advice. Wisdom also comes from watching. You watch others and you learn from their experience and their advice, right? Proverbs 13.10 says, those who take advice are wise. See, wisdom is the reward of a lifetime of listening when you'd rather be talking. Foolish people make the same mistakes over and over again. Ordinary people learn from their own mistakes. Wise people Learn from the mistakes of others. Hmm. See, that's one of the benefits of being in a small group. We have small groups here. If you go out to the information desk, you can find phone numbers and maps. We've got lots of small groups, you know, and, and surely there's one for you. But one of the advantages of being in a small group is it's a safe place where you can let go of your stuff, you know. You can deal with some of the problems and some of the mistakes that you made. It's safe. We're here for one another. Not only can we help the people out that got themselves in a fix, we can learn from them. You know, a lot of times when you've made a mistake in your life and somebody else is facing a similar decision, you can help them out. I've been there. You know, I've faced the tough side of that. We can learn from one another, particularly in our small groups. You know? In the safety of a small group, we can learn. That's what it's all about. Okay. What are the rules for getting wisdom? One more time. Respect God's power. Accept God's word. Reflect on your choices. And then finally, E, expect God's answer. You should expect God's answer. You see, consultants are huge in America. It's about 
a $7 billion industry in the United States alone. Fortune magazine said AT&T alone one year spent $1 billion on consultants. But it's worth it if you can get the right knowledge, if you can get the right advice at the right time. Well, no price is too high. They'll pay anything to get that. Here's the question. Who's your consultant? Yeah, we just, we just learned that people will consult almost anybody. People will swallow almost anything if they think they're getting good advice. Well, here's another one. Just because somebody is good at the board game, in other words, they've got a lot of money, doesn't mean they're good at the real game of life. Just because somebody is successful and somebody that, you know, is, is, is held up by, by the world today as a success doesn't mean that they have wisdom about the real game of life. Do you consult God on your decisions? You know, I know sometimes I don't. I'm just as guilty of anybody that I get busy sometimes getting all the facts and all the figures and making my plans and then I rush into a decision. Oh, I may give a little bit of attention to God. Oh, God bless this and shut the door if I'm making a mistake here. You know. But we need to make the time to be alone with God and get his answer. Get his answer. It's there for you. You know, this room is filled with leaders. Leaders in your family, leaders at school, leaders in government, where you work, all kinds of leaders in this room. And leaders know you have to have wisdom to make good choices, don't you? No one wants to fly by the seat of our pants. We want to make the right decision. You know, and God is willing to give us his wisdom. You know, James 1.5 says this. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you. He will gladly tell you. It doesn't say he will quickly tell you. Okay? Sometimes it takes a little longer than we like. And there's a few reasons for that. Sometimes the answer is no. You know, other times... The fullness of time hasn't come yet and things are working out. You know, other times, it's just not God's timing yet or God's teaching you something. But he'll gladly tell you. He will gladly tell you. God wants you to understand his wisdom. It will come if you make the time. There are barriers, two big ones, and we already talked about one of them. Those two barriers are pride and doubt. They get in the way of wisdom and understanding a lot. Proverbs 13, 10 says this, Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. What is it about pride? I know I have it, you know. There are times when I don't want God's wisdom, and I know it. I don't want it. I figured out the answer. I'm already made my decision. Why is it? Because God's answer might be different than mine. 
That's why I don't want God's wisdom. That's rooted in pride. But I have to tell you, I've found that some of the most refreshing times in my life is when I've thrown up my hands and surrender and just said, okay, Lord, this is yours. I'm going to give this to you. I'm your child. You know what I need. I need your help with this. Lord, guide me. You know, Churchill, Winston Churchill had a guy who bugged him because he was so full of pride. Every time he got around Winston Churchill, he would brag and be really loud about it and just one of the, just full of pride, just bragging whenever he got near him loud so that Winston Churchill could hear him. You know, it was made even worse because this guy was a bishop in the church. And finally, Winston Churchill had had enough and the guy was kind of leaving the room and Winston Churchill looked at him and said to the guy next to him loud enough for this bishop to hear him, he said, you know what? There but for the grace of God goes God. You know anyone like that? You know? Think they know everything? Braggarts? You know, those people are like, uh, like Cub fans or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, the truth of the matter is there are times when we all try to be God, you know? We all try to control everything around us. Well, the thing is, you can't. You know why? That's God's job to control everything. And we can't control, you, you know, you can drive everybody crazy trying, but you can't control everything. You know, we can depend on God because he's in charge. And, and, and you know, that kind of takes the pressure off, doesn't it? You know, if God's in control and we lean on his understanding and his guidance, kind of takes the pressure off. And he made us to live that way. You know, he made us to have a relationship with him, to trust in him. You know, and that leads to the second barrier, which is doubt, you know, expecting God's answer. Well, God has an answer for that too. It's found in Ephesians chapter one, verse 19. I pray, this is Paul writing, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who need him. His power is incredibly great. You see, Paul was telling the same message to people 2,000 years ago. You know, once you begin to understand how awesome and powerful and great is, your doubt starts melting into faith. We can expect God's answer when we have faith. You see, faith and wisdom are hand in hand. They go together. You see, all these principles I'm telling you, they're all great. But ultimately, wisdom isn't found in a set of principles. These are good, good rules to follow. But ultimately, wisdom is found in a person, in a relationship with Christ. And that's the only place it's found. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 24 says this, Christ is the mighty power of God and the wonderful wisdom of God. 
Colossians 2.3 says, In him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Remember that scripture from earlier? Hunt, search for that treasure. You found it. Wisdom is found in Jesus Christ. It's where it's found. It's in a relationship with him. You see, at the cross, you'll see God's love. You'll see his forgiveness. And you'll see his wisdom as well. It's a relationship. Do you want to win at the real game of life? It's more than just spinning a wheel of faith. You have purpose. You can find that. Respect God's power. Accept God's word. Reflect on your choices and expect an answer from God. I know some people may think they've really made some bad decisions. You know, you don't know. Well, you know, join the club. Look around. Everybody in this room has made some bad decisions. There's nobody in here that's holier and thou or has the right to be. We're all in this boat together, you know. So you can decide now to change, to seek that wisdom, to be the rare person with wisdom. Don't let your past determine your future. Seek God's wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this moment. And I know that there are people here that needed to hear this message about seeking you and your wisdom. Lord, we need your wisdom. We are all facing enormous decisions in our lives. And Lord, without you, oh, Lord, we can blow it. And Lord, I, I just want to hand over these decisions to you, Lord, and put you in charge, put you in control. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to find you, to seek you and your wisdom, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this time. Amen.